The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. I shall not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, one of the distinguishing characteristics that we are in the Easter season is the smell of lilies that fill a church. As you enter through the red doors, I know each time I have come into the nave this week, I have enjoyed the faint scent of the lilies that continue to fill this space. It is a reminder to me of our glorious Easter day and for two special young ladies, I hope, their baptism day. It is no longer Easter day, but we are in the season of Easter and will be for the next 50 days. We have entered the season of what is known as Eastertide, the season to be mindful and in the wisdom of the church set up so that we might look for the resurrection resurrected Jesus among us. It is interesting, the smell and feel of Easter have lingered, but our gospel text doesn't really feel Eastery at all today, does it? For all of you lectionary geeks out there, I know I'm not the only one. You know that this story in John is what follows every resurrection story. Each year, the Sunday after Easter, we are greeted with the story of the disciples locking themselves away in fear. And our friend, Thomas the Doubter, having quite a unique, tactile, tangible experience with the resurrected Jesus. In our text this morning, the astonishment and wonder of Easter morning has been replaced with utter fear and doubt. One moment, we are celebrating that Christ is no longer in the tomb as Mary Magdalene has announced that Jesus is indeed alive. And then literally one sentence later in the sacred gospel text, we are told the disciples are gathered huddled closely with the doors locked and sealed. They have barricaded themselves inside a house because they are scared beyond themselves. The only similarity between last week's gospel story and this week's story is that the disciples are now in their own tomb. Well, not fully understanding that Jesus has been resurrected, they don't know what to do. They are riddled with fear, they are afraid for their lives, and so they go into fight or flight. They protect themselves by locking themselves away. Might this sound a bit familiar to how over the last two years, sadly, many of us have grown accustomed to 
because of a worldwide pandemic. Well, not long into this, our friend Jesus, he shows up, he greets the disciples, and he offers this one word, one word only, peace, a calming word. And he says it again and again to them as he continues to show up. This, for them, is a reassuring reminder that it really is him. Kind of like when angels greet humans in scripture. Do you remember what the first words of angels to humans are always? If somebody knows them, say them now. Fear not. Do not be afraid. It's the same kind of thing that Jesus does here with his disciples. In this way, reminding them not to be afraid, and it really is him. So we juxtapose the disciples' response. And if you remember last week, Mary Magdalene's response, remember, Jesus only had to speak her name, and she knew it was him. But with the disciples, interestingly enough, he has to do a bit more persuading. They're not convinced by his words. They are not convinced by his voice, his tone, or inflection. He has to do more to those closest to him. And so, Jesus proceeds to unfold his hands, and what does he do? He shows and exposes his nail-scarred palms. He then lifts the side of his tunic and reveals his pierced side. This was the ultimate reveal for them. For when Jesus did this, and once they saw Jesus, they saw his scarred hands, they saw his pierced side, they were overcome. And they knew it was their Lord. They knew it was Jesus. Except for one. There's always the one, isn't there? One who wasn't there when Jesus came and his name was Thomas. And when the other disciples were excitedly telling Thomas that they had seen the Lord, Thomas, he expressed hesitancy and, well, doubt. Maybe these are some of the things that fill Thomas's mind as they shared about Jesus. I mean, really, Jesus, he was just dead a few days ago, and now you're telling me he's alive? How is this possible? I'm really going to need proof. I need to see with my own eyes the nails, the nail holes in his hands. No, tell you what, more than seeing the nail hands, I need to touch them. I need to touch them with my own fingers to make sure they're real. I need to see the scars. I need proof. On my best day, 
I would hope that I would be like Mary Magdalene. Jesus would just have to say my name and I would know it is him. On my best day, that's my hope. But I also know, I know myself well enough and I know there's a whole lot of Thomas inside of me. And I hope I'm not the only one who feels that way or who at least can admit that there's Thomas inside of them as well. I will say one thing that I have learned on this journey of faith and journeying with my parishioners is that faith is often filled with doubt. It is often filled with uncertainty. And sometimes there are more questions then there are answers. Well, if any doubt or uncertainty has filled your heart and mind along the journey of faith, which I hope it has, you are in good company. As even one of Jesus' own disciples needs to touch, to feel, and to observe the wounds and scars, to believe that it was actually him. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus, in his Jesus-y way, does what he normally does. He takes it in stride. Just like any good teacher, he's patient. He's understanding. And he comes alongside Thomas. He knows what his student needs. And so Jesus responds with kindness. Instead of chastising or making Thomas feel badly or stupid about his difficulty with believing, Jesus already knows this. Instead, he sees Thomas, and he sees how he's struggling, which I'm sure at times Jesus sees in all of us. So instead of making Thomas feel belittled, Jesus does something to help with Thomas's disbelief. And in a moment of relational transformation, he looks at Thomas and he invites Thomas. He bids Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Thomas, give me your hand and put it in my side. Don't be faithless anymore, my friend. Believe. And when Thomas does as Jesus instructs, immediately Thomas knows it is Jesus. And he says, my Lord and my God, there is no longer doubt. And in this moment, Thomas believes. He sees Jesus for himself and in so doing, Thomas is the one that makes the most profound confession of faith about Jesus in the entire New Testament when he says, my Lord and my God, it is you.
promise says that. And what does Jesus do? Jesus commends Thomas that because he has seen him, he has believed. But he also says something to all of us who can't touch the nail-scarred hands, who can't see a pierced side. And this is what Jesus says. Blessed are those who have not seen who have not seen and they still believe. It is no accident that the last sentence of our text today is in direct reference to belief. And this is what it says. All of this is written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that through believing, you, you may have life in his name. Jesus has made himself clear to Thomas. In uncertainty and in doubt and in fear, he has made himself known. It is also in those times of fear, even if just one week after Easter, Jesus shows himself most plainly. I would have to say that many of us have spent a lot of time in isolation over the last two years. We've been at home, we've been away from those things that have made us comfortable. And perhaps we've been away and alone more in the last two years than we ever have. And if my feelings are to be trusted, there were many moments along the way when I felt locked away from all that was comfortable and all that was normal. But in John's witness today, it is clear that we, you, me, we are never forgotten. We are never alone. Because we know that God, whose property is always to love and provide presence, is with you, has been with you, offering to show you his nailed, scarred hands and pierced side, if you only let him. As a priest, I say these words more times in a week than I can count. And they are, number one, God loves you. And number two, God is with you. Jesus is with you. And how that looks or how that feels, it'll be different for all of us. It just is. But what we can trust and what has been told by John in our gospel story this morning is worthy of belief. To remind us, just like it has for thousands of years, for thousands of sojourners on the on the way of faith, 
Jesus is with us. Let John's witness bear truth. A miracle that we are only able to welcome and receive by grace alone, made real by these words from Jesus himself, peace, I am with you, and so is my spirit. If ever there was a time to look for Jesus, it is now. And so, my friends, I ask, where are you witnessing or hoping to witness resurrection in your own life? If all of us were to share, the, answer, the answers would be so varied. So I ask, what could it mean to practice resurrection daily? And how have you witnessed new life flow forth from death? What does that look like for you? What I would ask is that you would pay attention to the evidence of new life, whether in nature, relationships, people, situations. How is God bringing new life to you? Write it down. Be grateful for it. Take up a 50-day practice in contrast to the 40-day fast of Lent. Take up a 50-day practice that promotes joy, freedom, wholeness, or celebration. Write down how you were experiencing the resurrected Jesus in your life. And pray for resurrection eyes that allow you to see where God is wanting to do something new. And when you see what it is, cry out to God and say, my Lord and my God, just like Thomas did. Because sometimes Jesus shows up in the most unexpected ways. Ways that you never dreamed. For me, God has recently come and brought immeasurable peace in the pasture of land next to me in my new home. Why? Because this pasture is filled with cows. Cows! Cows that have brought so much joy to my heart to watch. Babies that nurse on their mamas till their mamas are sick of them and shooing them away. It makes me laugh. That pasture and the wind that blows through it and the cows that roam it have settled my soul and brought peace to me in a way I didn't expect, but I'm so grateful for. Look for the ways that the resurrected Jesus comes to you. Trust that Jesus' eyes are ever so gently upon you, waiting with bated breath for your attention, devotion, and love. Amen. Amen.